You're listening to the Sound Girls Podcast with Katie. Today's episode features an interview with Katrine Amsler. Katrine Amsler is a Danish composer, musician, producer, instrument builder, and sound artist based in Copenhagen. Amsler has a Master in Improvisation and Composition from the Music Academy in Malmö, Sweden. As a composer and sound artist, she contributes to different types of audiovisual projects. Latest as a sound artist, working for the Danish composer Martin Stig Andersen on the two Wolfenstein games, The New Colossus and Youngblood, and on the highly acclaimed Control by Remedy Entertainment. As a musician and producer, she works primarily with experimental electric acoustic trio Shitney, Android Cinema Orchestra Television Pickup, and as a solo artist. I want to yell like, good morning, but it's not morning for you. <laughs> I'm living in the morning. You're in three o'clock life. How's your three o'clock life yeah. going? My three o'clock life is good. Yeah, I just, uh, what did I do? Picked up the kids. Yeah, yeah. And I'm also in my in my son's room. Oh, I, I thought that was one of your posters. That's your son's Jurassic it's World poster. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, okay, well, uh, sorry, and it's Katrine Amsler, right? Yes. Okay, because I pre-recorded yeah. your bio, but, um, and is it Shitney? Yeah. Okay, cool. Lord, I didn't come up with that name. <laughs> Who came up with that name? <laughs> that was not my idea. <laughs> I like it. It's um. It's yeah, catchy. me too. It's, I mean, yeah. we actually got a lot of gigs just for the name itself. When we started, it was just for fun. We were like, oh, yeah, we need a name. And then we were like, Whitney, she's famous. Britney's famous. Sydney, it's a it's a big city so something that rhymes with that apparently we will get like famous one of us said Sydney and we were like yeah let's go with that and then (laughs) we were supposed to get another name like after that but that never happened and then we started getting gigs just on the name (laughs) we didn't have demos or anything no music just yeah that we like that name Let's book that. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I That's if I fun. could book you, I'd book you just for Shitney. I want Shitney to play at my club, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's clever. It's very clever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can we go back in time and uh, mm-hmm. go over how you got into sound in the first place? How did that interest develop in your? childhood yeah, or yeah. I guess, yeah in my childhood because it seems like when I think back it's always kind of been there with me maybe not like sound itself but more like eager to invent stuff oh cool I just remember that I was always running around like look look I made this I don't know what it is but I made it <laughs> I'm from a, the countryside like real countryside there were I guess 200 people living in the small uh, village where I'm from. So you had to have a good imagination in order to to get things to happen. So I guess it comes from that. And then there was a piano in our house and I didn't really use it as an instrument. I just liked to hear the sounds that it had. So I would tell stories on it, kind of like the low register would be the thunder and like really <laughs> cliche oh, stuff but I, no, I love it <laughs> and I would have my mom sitting for hours like listening to all these things 
but then I took piano lessons too, uh, like classical piano lessons, but I was not so good at reading the notes. So I just remember when, when my mom and dad picked me up after piano lessons, we would have to drive really fast home so I could uh, remember what what we played. <laughs> and I would run through the house and to the piano, like figuring out, I think it was like this, but I'm not really sure, but this sounds good. And then I would practice it for the during the week and and I would, of course, change a lot of things because I didn't remember it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and when I came back, I just remember being so frustrated when I came back to the teacher and I was supposed to play it. And she said, it's not, it's wrong. But I didn't understand what was wrong because for me it was, what do you mean? It sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I made a perfect song. I what made are you it talking like this. about? It's, yeah. it's not, it doesn't sound bad. It's just not what, maybe it's not what it says. But yeah, and then I had a few years playing guitar with a lot of distortion and Ooh. a few years of playing bass. We played Jimi Hendrix songs, and I had to play bass because the guitarist, we were two guitarists, and he was just better than me, and there were no one playing the bass. So, I mean, let's I would take the bass. <laughs> and then I kind of returned to the piano. I applied for some schools in Sweden, and then I ended up uh, living in Sweden for 10 years. I went to conservatory there and, and another school before that, playing piano. Um, or trying to, I was struggling a bit with the instrument. And the notes still gave you a hard time in the conservatory? Uh, no, not really. It was more like playing the piano is uh, like this instrument that has such a massive history. Um, there's so many people who have a very strong opinion of how to play this exact instrument because it's so common. And I found that really difficult. And it was new for me that music was difficult. Before it was just like me playing around. Yeah, I struggled my way through conservatory as a jazz pianist. And then I eventually broke my little finger like playing volleyball. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I could barely reach an octave before. but And then that finger grew, grew together like in the wrong direction. So then I couldn't reach an octave anymore. <laughs> And I was oh. like, hmm, maybe that's my cue for stop playing the piano. <laughs> I'll take this as my perfect excuse to <laughs> yes. never do this again. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I also kind of had this, I remember dreaming that I was annoyed that I couldn't bend the strings of a piano. So like also the thing with the piano is that every other instrument player has his, its their own instrument. And with the piano, you just like travel around playing gigs different places with a different instrument every time. And I I thought that was pretty difficult, actually. I wanted my own uh, instrument. So my thought is that as long as there's nobody who has invented like a pedal system for the piano, you know, like a pedal steel, yeah. uh, but just for the piano that you can bend the strings, when someone invents that, I will, I will start uh, playing piano again. I I'm will sure. return yes. <laughs> under this one condition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so wait, they haven't invented that? To, or have no, they? They no. haven't. I oh, mean, sorry. May, maybe I should just do that myself. I kind of think you should just do it. Yeah. 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 I, that's my call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So you haven't you haven't been playing the piano? 
because no one's invented no, it. No, I started out with, okay, I'm going to leave the piano, the big piano, and I'm going to play only small keys in plastic. That was my dogma. I have a lot of those. Okay, I love it. Please tell and me then, all your dogmas. Please. <laughs> I also have this dogma. Oh, what was that? Whenever somebody asks me something that I'm afraid to do, I have to do it. That's mm. a really uh, troubling dogma because, because it's um, scary, but I almost follow it every time. When you ask me to do this interview, I'm like, I'm definitely not going to do that. And then, ah, damn, dogma. then I have to do dogma it. Dogma one. Haha, <laughs> 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 got you with your own dogma. <laughs> you got me on that one. <laughs> oh my god no don't be scared uh it, this is see how easy look how easy yeah it's easy oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nah. what was that first dogma i was talking about oh sorry your first dogma yeah the uh, plastic keys plastic, the plastic keys, keys. Yeah. yeah yeah and then i i didn't know that that synths also could be played without keys like just with knobs i found out about that that was really interesting so i got into all the analog synths world and I also, at that time, started to build my own uh, small string instruments. I think that was actually when I was um, uh, pregnant with my first, uh, with my daughter. I get easily uh, impatient, <laughs> you know. And when I was so pregnant, I was walking around, what am I supposed to do? And then I was, uh, I, I began building these instruments. Um, just to have something to do um, as one does yeah of course yeah. that's what <laughs> everyone does oh this baby won't come out um i'm gonna build an instrument <laughs> yeah um, like what did it how did you build it how do you build it like what was your first uh model of string instrument i think the first one was when we were on vacation um, my partner is from sweden and so his parents lived there um, in the woods, and we went there for the whole summer, I think. And my father-in-law has all this, uh, all this equipment and woods and uh, everything you need. So I think uh, I just had to do something, and then I started just uh, figuring out. I, I think the way I build instruments is exactly the same way I do music. It's like I take stuff. I I put it together, I watch what happens, and then I study it, and then I kind of ask myself, I wonder what would happen if I did this instead, and then I do it, and then I watch it, and then I say, I wonder what would happen if I then do this, and then, you know, it's like ongoing. It takes a long time. I have absolutely no plan when I invent stuff. I just try to to follow and see what happens. That's a really good approach. It's like very um, non-judgmental of yourself and playful. Yeah. Like which would probably yeah. re yield the best results without that Absolutely. level of, yeah. oh, I have to be rigid and plan it and yeah. it has to be this way. Yeah. Yeah. Prescribed. The problem with the plan is that you always like can't follow it. So so it's maybe just better to to don't <laughs> I so totally agree. That, plan. that is yeah. my approach. No plans. Why? Exactly. <laughs> it's going to stray. So why am I wasting my time? Yeah, I just want to go. Gonna, 
Yeah. You're going to ruin that anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm totally on board. Is that a dogma? Is that dogma yeah, number three? That's, now it is. <laughs> Do not plan, just go. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so then you started uh, inventing instruments, and how mm-hmm. did it progress from there? The, the funny thing is, is that I just did those instruments for my own sake. I, it was not really for anyone to see or to play. or But then I just realized that so many people were so interested in those instruments for some reason that in the beginning I, it was, I was just surprised. But then I started uh, using them. I started using them with, that, with my band Shitney. Well, it's not my band. We are a trio, so we are kind of a democratic band. But then I, it's also a band where there's no plans. We can do almost whatever we want. That's the dogma. <laughs> Love it, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so bringing a, an instrument like that with that group was easy because I was I was allowed to, or it was okay. And then I started using it more and more as a sound design instrument and investigating the sounds that were in it and also eventually made the sound library and got obsessed with springs, not only strings. I was uh, buying springs online and you you know when you're buying things online, you can't really see how big they are. (laughs) Yeah, I've made that mistake every day I've ever ordered anything. It always comes of crazy size (laughs) that I never expected. Yeah. So I was like, oh, springs are interesting. I'm going to buy some. And then I bought, like, there was this box with springs. And I bought it. And then when it came with the with the post, it was, like, huge. And the <laughs> springs were 10 meters. Oh, my God. <laughs> I never made a mistake that big. <laughs> no. And I was like, what on earth is, what did I buy, <laughs> you know? Did the price then, like dictate that they would be that big? Like, were they really expensive springs that should have suggested they were like no, they huge? were really cheap. Oh, yeah. Nothing, everyone, um, buy some springs. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very good instruments. So that was also kind of a coincidence that I started playing on those and making instruments out of that. Kind of like, oh, I got this ten meter long string. I wonder what I can do with that. So, how did you um? get to use your sound design and uh, compositions in like uh, an official quote-unquote capacity like uh, for video games and media? Well, I was an intern first for game composer Martin Stianersen and then eventually I started uh, working for him on the different projects that he that he makes and he is using a lot of the sounds that I make from the those instruments. Is it uh, like standard or traditional for a music composer to like take on an intern? I don't know. I think it was actually kind of a funny story the way I got in contact with him. It was because I was uh, listening to a podcast called Tonebenders. Of course, classic, great podcast. Yeah, Yeah. because I have no like sound design education at all. So I thought I have to learn stuff and like I've heard every episode on that podcast and I learned so much from it. And I remember there was an episode where they had Anne Krober on, the sound designer Anne Krober. And I just uh, remember that I thought she sounded really nice and really clever. 
And that was at the time where I decided to stop playing the piano and try to make a career change into music and sound for games or film. Or And I was all, also, uh, I think at that time I had passed my 40s. I was, I was over 40. And the funny thing happens when you are over 40 is that you don't really care so much anymore what people think. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. a dream. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And also, since this new career thing was not my main thing, it's, it, it was not what I went to school for. I have a music and composer education. So there was no prestige. It was just, well, I'm going to ask and... They're probably going to say no, and then... But I'm 40, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so so I actually wrote an email to Anne just saying, look, I heard this podcast, and I just wanted you to know that I really like the, the things you say. I, I think you're really clever, and, and I like you. Uh, best, Katrine. I didn't say anything more. I just wanted her to know that. And then I didn't expect an answer or anything. And then, I mean, five minutes later, she wrote me back and said, oh, thanks for the message. It made me really happy. Can we can we talk on Skype? And I was like, yeah, sure. Wow. <laughs> Let's do that. And we had this really nice conversation for maybe an hour or something. And... Uh, Turns out she's she's um, collaborated a lot with both uh, Martin and uh, Peter Elbrigsen, who's also a sound designer based here in Copenhagen. And she got me in touch with Martin, and then we met. And uh, I asked if I could be an intern, and he said, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> oh my god! Just ask, just reach out. Is I guess the moral yes. of the story. That's yeah. Don't care. You just reach out. You're going to get a lot of no and a lot of, well, not even a lot of no. You're going to get a lot of, of silence. Like people are not going to gonna answer. But, but, but I mean, once in a while you, you get lucky. And, and I'm not a lucky person otherwise. So, so just keep asking. Yeah. Wow. Well, I did like that story. <laughs> so what kind of projects with Martin have you worked on that you're like extremely proud of your contribution and can you tell me about like the workflow yeah I, I can tell you about like the first time I was there the f one of the f I think it was the first day that's not what you asked but I no, think it was just popped up in my mind <laughs> it's my first day there he had a um, studio where there's a room in the studio so I was and he asked me if I could connect I think it was like all these cables to a record player, like a special record player. So it was really old. So it had to, some device between. It was a lot of hardware and a lot of cables. And he was, he asked if I could just connect the stuff so it worked. And I was like, oh, holy shit, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> but I didn't say that, of course. I just said, yeah, sure. Of course. And then, <laughs> easy. <laughs> yeah, no problem. And um, and I was like freaking out watching 
100 YouTube clips at the same time trying to figure out what cable went where and what is this device and why is it like this when, you know, why is it this old thing? I need this adapter and stuff. So, um, and I don't even, I don't even remember if I made it. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I did. I don't remember. <laughs> the last thing I project I worked on for him is a game called Back for Blood. And we used a lot of the DIY instruments I did. And he also built like a washtop uh, bass. Right. That we played not as a bass really, but with a lot of springs on and made a whole rec recording session with that. That was really fun. Really yeah. fun. And we also, yeah, I got a phone call, like, can you come to the local um, uh, scouts cabin? Is it called that? Yeah. Can you come up and play some evil guitar riffs into an oven? That's the, the call I got. <laughs> Do you want to play some evil guitar riffs into an oven? Into an oven. At like the he, scouts camp. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a crazy improv scene. I love it. <laughs> Okay. Exactly. And we were using transducers on the on the plates that were in the oven, like recording from, from there. And um I mean, yeah, when you get a phone call like that, it's like hell yeah. Of <laughs> I'm course, yeah, you don't minutes. say no to that. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, me and Martin and uh, also a Copenhagen based sound designer called Daniel. Uh, who made that recording that was really really fun too what did it sound like just evil just pure evil <laughs> yeah. guitar G guitar with the evil heat of the oven uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was used in uh in the game uh would you say it was called born for blood back for blood back for blood yes yeah yeah do you play your games uh the games that you i wish for? But I'm I'm such um, I can't watch horror movies because I watch I had this period when I was a kid when I was hanging out with a, some kids that were older than me, and they had this thing that they would watch marathon horror movies, and I was maybe eight, so I was way too young. <laughs> <laughs> so now I I can't watch any horror movies or play like games where I get uh, scared, and it's a Bit, uh, it's not so smart because I'm having I'm getting this reputation in the music scene in Copenhagen that I only do this terrible horror stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which is partly true. But but I can't watch the movies or, right, the, can't or enjoy the, your play work. the games. <laughs> no. <laughs> We have to change your reputation. Um, yeah. Only sunny, fun, <laughs> light <laughs> media. Yeah. Nothing too scary. <laughs> but I totally want to. I mean, I would love to play more. But I'm also a bit afraid that if I start, I will go all in. I think that's why I'm holding it back a little bit. I've heard someone express that similar yeah. fear. Like, I think I'll like video games too much and my life will just fall yeah, to the wayside. So I'll just, <laughs> I'll just not do that. Yeah, yeah. Just spare yourself the, mm -hmm. the harm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But maybe in in one year I will be uh, doing nothing but playing video games. I hope yeah, so. I'll check in. I'm gonna check in in one yes. year. We're gonna see. <laughs> I won't answer the phone. 
<laughs> but that goes against your dogma technically like you should embrace horror You're because right. it scares you yeah that's that's right i i am i have to do it now <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> so i hate Thanks. to break it to you but <laughs> um can you tell me about the v7 and winning yeah. the sound of the year award which is like insane because uh because it's a new thing it's a 2020 yeah. award uh show that came up yeah yes and it's so interesting i love the idea of having awards for sounds like, yeah and you won congrats by the way that's so cool thank you yeah <laughs> yeah i love the idea of that too i mean sound was before music you know <laughs> yeah yeah i remember when i saw that they were um, advertising for the that you could apply like you could send in sounds i was i was all excited and and i i um i thought i'm i'm definitely gonna do that together with one million other people apparently no 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 (laughs) not i I mean i was just thinking that a lot of people would do that yeah say i mean i mean i I had no like uh, expectations of of winning my only thought was that I wanted to contribute with sounds because I thought it was a great like uh, thing and I remember I sent it a few sounds I recorded weird bird in a park nearby where I live and I recorded some other things and then I was working on that v7 instrument at the time so I, I thought I might have as well play record a few sounds from that and and then the funny thing with that instrument is that it always ended up sounding like this creature like like this huge dinosaur like a kind of kind creature not not a bad creature but it has all these breathy like airy sounds that made it really alive i guess yeah. So I remember that I just really liked that sound. Kind creatures. Cool. I love kind creature. I want to meet kind creature. Yeah. I want to know too. what kind creature looks like. <laughs> Do you have a picture in your head of you said dinosaur? What kind of dinosaur? You know uh, what is that? That huge dinosaur with the long neck. Oh yeah, I don't remember. Me I neither. Really I know. Sh- I have it. I know what you're talking about. Oh yeah, it's this Latin na- name. <laughs> What's long neck? No, but um, it doesn't really look like that. But it's more like yeah. Is that the one you want? It could be something like that. The kind <laughs> creature was a brontosaurus, the, the brother actually, of it's a brontosaurus. Funny you say because I'm, I actually, I'm always really visual that I know how what things look like. I always like have the pictures in my head, but not, not of the kind creature. It's more like I have a picture of how nice it is, but it looks uh, scary. Yeah. I guess the juxtaposition, the scary exterior, and then the kindness that yes, yeah, yeah, I'll, I love it. Yeah, that that he can't express unless he's totally comfort comfortable. He's somewhere. like Shrek. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Actually, this is a thing that I thought about when playing the piano in school and stuff. You know, when you always heard about these musicians who say, well, it's it's the music playing through me. <laughs> yeah. Remember? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I never quite understood that, you know. It's just felt it was really difficult and that I wish someone some god thing would just come and play through me so it's not that hard you know yeah. <laughs> but that never happened <laughs> but but then when I started mingling with with just sound and just like um zooming in to really small sounds and gi- um, giving it the patience and the time to develop then I kind of understood this this thing like that it's not me I'm not doing anything it's this this weird thing that I invented it sounds uh, apparently it sounds great and I don't know why I mean it's not like that I am doing something special with my bow and my arm it's just that this thing sounds like this I'm gonna capture it you know so that was the feeling I had when I sent in the sound that oh, I captured this this really nice sound. So I feel more like um, like someone who put it in a small jam. Bar. Right, <laughs> you, know, you, you jarred box. it up and handed yes. it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. But you also captured it. Cap- capturing it, first of all, is a skill in itself. And then you also invented the combination of objects. So I mean, give yourself yeah. some credit. You are an inventor. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so cool. Uh, just quick side tangent. Um, how, sorry, what do you use to do your recordings? What's your setup in that regard? Uh, actually, this this microphone that I'm speaking to into right now, it's, it's um, my partner is from uh, the north of Sweden. It's a place called Dalarna. Just in that area, there's a guy called... Erlund, who makes these mics, and I think he's actually world famous. Oh, yeah. Cool. Wait, what's I his name? Know. How do you spell it? Um, e H R L U N D. Oh, cool. Erlund. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so, and since they know each other, then he got this mic from him. And he haven't seen it ever since because <laughs> I totally <laughs> stole it. <laughs> We're so sorry, Erland. <laughs> but it's sorry. had to steal it. Your microphone was too good. Wow, yeah. this is cool. Also, he's a guitar player, so all the all the instruments I make is from his uh, like the the parts of the guitars he's not using. I'm like, can I have this? <laughs> oh, so cool! I love that. Yeah. No, but then I, I actually just, the the V7 is a metal box that I bought on a flea market. And I think it was like something you, when you measure stuff, there's this measure meter. Mm. I don't know what exactly it measured, but my thought was that I was going to open it up and take everything out that was inside, like all these weird small mechanical metal things and take them out and attach them to the outside of the box. So that means the box was empty, and you, I just placed the mic inside the box. And then I also used the huge spring, that 10 meter long, 
wrong buy on the internet. <laughs> I used Happy mistake, that. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I used that because I found out if I attached the spring to the metal box and then I live in a, an apartment that has this um, also metal staircase. So I attached the spring to the box and then to the metal staircase. And that created some kind of natural reverb. Mm-hmm. And I just put piezos on, on the spring. And so it would, uh, I recorded with three, three tracks or something. And then did you process it after? No, nothing. You didn't uh, process because, that? And, but no. Wow. Um, because it was uh, made for um, sound library. What I did do was that I there was a lot of different sound that I recorded and then I chopped them up and put them together in a different way. So there are some places where it's maybe not the natural tale of something, but in it, it's the natural tale of something else, if that makes sense. Totally, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I just, uh, I just want to share with everyone um, this part of your bio, which I think is very charming because um, I, I really like your about section. Uh, yeah. I sometimes polish to an almost psychopathic extent, and other times I keep the untreated ingredients completely raw. My music is diverse, touches a variety of genres, and always wants to be listened to. I love that. It's very good. Very good description. Um, so what is your most psychopathic uh, polished piece? Maybe that's actually, I made a piece called Average Speed, uh, which is also like a piece of music um, that I made because I wanted to challenge my own impatience that like I'm not so patient, so I wanted to challenge that. And then I made a piece of music where there's some background ambiences that are made from recordings I I took from YouTube so it's different concerts of hip-hop bands from the 90s so I took all the sounds like five different concerts of old hip-hop groups and then I uh, processed it through four or five or six different reverbs so every time I would take the the hip-hop concert put it through a reverb take the reverb, put it through a new one, <laughs> take like it was a long process. And the last reverb was called Big Empty Stadium. So I was kind of like thinking all these hip-hop bands from the 90s that I actually listened to and really liked, what happened to them? I mean, <laughs> where, did their, where did their audience go? <laughs> where are they? What happened with the audience? What do they sound like today if they were playing like in this huge stadium? So that was kind of the idea. I, I think a lot of my music is like that. Um, and my my solo album is also like it uh, made a bit like that. It's a tribute to... Um, an orchestra called Las Lafaria that is from Switzerland. Um, it was founded in 1962 by a group of young people, and uh, also my parents were were in that group of people. Cool. Um, so it's a it's a, they play this genre called Google music, um, and it's a reference to an ensemble that includes a group of people playing simple folk tunes, pop, and children's song. And then they play on a variety of percussion 
and brass instruments. Um, so specific. <laughs> yeah, and the songs, they, they play really loud and, and always uh, unison, um, but not always in perfect pitch because some could play and some could not play at all. So what caught my mind with the Les Lafaria band was the importance of imperfection and the word Las Lafaria also means um, Lasses Fahren, or in English, Let It Go. Yeah, I remember at home we had the record of this band um, alongside the Beatles and Wagner and stuff. And I remember listening to these particular LPs um, and really liking it. You know, it, I've never heard anything like that before. They were just so unbothered and proud. Like I remember uh, imagining it, that sound of the record was what American football might sound like if, if it was only audio and not a physical sport. Wow. Um, I love that description. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So this, um, yeah, so I made, like I wanted to uh, make a record like with this manifestation of, of imperfection. Which also I'm, I used like um, MIDI flutes, and I made melodies that I was supposed to throw out that I took out of the trash can again. I think, yeah, I'm gonna use it, this melody because it's not perfect, so it has to it be on that way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So, how was your so that was for your solo album? It was like the so theme yeah. thematically. It was to embrace this imperfection and yes. uh, unbotheredness and just kind yeah. of go for it yeah I love that because that seems to capture your entire spirit really like that's the vibe I get from your approach to audio which is yeah. ultimately cooler you know I think yeah it's it's I mean it it's easier but it's it doesn't mean that that I don't get imposter syndrome like five times a day and I think think that what I do is really bad and stuff. But but when I when I'm lucky enough to have that playful flow that comes from I don't care <laughs> and imperfection and just I mean if you see kids in a playing on a playground, they're not like I'm gonna plan that I'm gonna go to the that part of the playground and then I'm going to you know, go not, to the top of the slide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, and then I'm going to go down of that slide in this particular way, because I learned that that's better when I'm a little bit more to the left, you know, it's nothing happens when you do like that. And so when I'm lucky enough to be free to do music and do sound like that, then, then that's when the best results are, are happening. Yeah, and uh, but it's definitely not all the time. I make a lot of crap too. <laughs> I mean, don't we all? <laughs> we it's all part do. Of the yeah, output, we all right? do, and yeah. and we just have to say it out loud because we, if nobody says they make make crap, then then uh, we all think that nobody does. You know, totally. And we it's like, do. oh, I'm the only one who. Yeah, no, I think that's that's important to mention that. Yeah. Every genius piece of art, there's so much that's in the trash before it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And you can even use that, what you put in the trash. <laughs> exactly. Yo, don't write it off. Don't write it off just because no. one day you think it's not right. So you could buy the V7 yeah. sound library yeah. on a sound effects. Yeah. Yes. 
It's out there. Yeah, cool. it's out there, guys. Uh, incorporate it into your <laughs> your sound design because it's really cool, especially kind creature. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you have mm-hmm. any other advice that you would offer sound folks who want to have a career in sound or an audio kind of life? What I want to say is that I went to school for many years, like trying to learn stuff that other people told me I was supposed to learn. But what I always kind of go back to is the stuff that I did when I was six and seven. I mean, that's still what I do today. When I feel the best about the music or the sounds that I make, that has nothing to do with the conservatory or the schools that I went to. It has to do with my methods that I used when I was a kid. And I think maybe that's, I don't know if it's a good advice because it can also like cause you all the great jobs that pays money. <laughs> Who needs those? <laughs> but at least you will become a, a happy person. Maybe it's not going to pay your rent, but, but it's more fun. Exactly. Life's too yeah. short to not have fun. Yeah. <laughs> I think Amazon's going to see like a, a crazy influx of people buying springs. Yeah. <laughs> and Jeff Bezos is gonna go, huh? <laughs> What's exactly. Happening? That- Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org. Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast. Visit soundgirls.org for more information.